What's up? This is JP Aaron Sevia, and you're listening to Chasing Birdies. You are listening to this week's episode of Chasing Birdies, and it's a leap year, but today is a leap year. We're not even in March yet. Typically, we start a new season in the early part of March, but today we are starting season four of Chasing Birdies. What's up, bud? Welcome, dude. Yeah, awesome. welcome. It's our fourth season of Chasing Birdies. Yeah. Everyone said we couldn't do it, and we did it. Yeah, you it's know, officially it's just, our last. It just shows you, man, that episode like on a leap year, exactly. And you know, people, you guys can do anything you put your mind to. You don't got to be good. You don't got to be great, but you can do it. You know, just look at us. So, yeah, but hats off to you for staying committed and focused for, you know, how many episodes we have done now? Ninety? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue that journey, starting with continue. today. Um. Today's episode is brought to you by Red Vanley, so make sure you go on over to redvanley.com and check out all the gear. I know I got some packed today until Sunday as we make our way to the Pine Needles, the 30th annual Pine Needles Invitational. And we're going to have a lot of content, I'm sure, coming through on it. Um, we got the OGs, Ian Patrick, Ryan Bashauer, Brandon Katz of John the Peppy, and then we got two add-ons. We're still trying to talk to the committee and see how they got in. But Neil Walker and Eric Tangeretti making their way down to Pinehurst for the 30th annual Pine Needles Invitational. Dicey. But I love it. The one thing for us. Yeah. And the one thing about Pine Needles is that, generally speaking, it is one of the first tournaments you play in the year. So everybody's got rust on them. You know, coming down from the north, going south, we got rust. So for a guy like Tango, I, although I hear Tango is, he's been, he's been grinding a little bit. Grinding, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard people at Allegheny mm-hmm. that he doesn't think I know, mm-hmm. but I know, telling me how bad he's been or how hard he's been working. So, listen, guys, I'm I'm excited for everyone for this event. I mean, here's the thing: it's a gross event. And there's no shots as Steve Perrin came to find out. He thought the scorecards were going to be dotted up last year. Nothing. Go get them. Play your best. And have some fun. That's the most important thing, which I cannot wait for the Pine Needles Bar after our rounds. And like you said, we all talk about how we should have shot 70, but we were 10 shots short. So. Yeah. yeah, that'll happen. Everyone, if you guys are out there listening to you play with golfers, every time you sit down with someone, they're like, well, I, I missed five. Five putts inside three feet, so I shot 78. I should have shot 70. Right. I don't need a dissertation on how your round went. I just said, would you you shoot? Well, I hit the ball really well. Just just, tell me. Just give us the answer. I'll tell you who's going to be shooting some scores, boys. I think uh, the live tour made out on this one with Anthony Kim. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, dude. I I know um, he's making his debut, but... uh, I think the PGA Tour dropped the ball on this one. I know that he had an insurance uh, policy with the PGA Tour due to an injury. And I'm willing to gamble, I don't know this, but I'm willing to gamble that the Live Tour paid back that insurance policy for him as part of his deal to get him. Do I think he's going to be successful? Don't know. Uh, But I definitely think the PGA Tour could have gotten him to be a part of their model 
get some ratings up for at least a year to get something exciting because what we're being shown right now is not that exciting on the PGA Tour. Well, but I mean, look at Jake Knapp. My man rolls into Mexico. He's a bouncer, and he just takes takes down over a million, finishes up his, uh, I don't even know what his final score was this past weekend, minus 18 or something, 19 under par. Uh, hadn't played, and there you go. But yeah, to your point, but I don't know if I agree with you 100%, dude, because Anthony Kim is Anthony Kim, and like, yeah, he might boost the ratings a bit, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's it'd be like Adrian Peterson coming back and being like, oh fuck, I'm mm, a little bigger, but but I'm not really asking for your opinion. No, I don't think I don't think it is. I don't think it's gonna. But if he starts playing well, <laughs> but the guy was the I closest thing to Tiger Woods. No, but there's nothing close to Tiger Woods. That people, that people, I'm saying that people would pay attention to. Okay, all right, all right, you're right. Pay attention, buddy. You can't even pay attention. So what are you talking about? Like you give a fuck if Anthony Kim's on TV. No, you don't. I'd rather watch Anthony Kim than freaking Bo Hostler and his tour advisor. All right. All right. Um, So today's guest, JP Aaron Sebia. And we, you and I, infused some new life into the podcast starting this episode today. I got to give a little shout out because I told you to J.R. Hess, Jr. up there in Wexford. We're having lunch. He's talking about the dilemmas in golf, all the dilemmas. Why don't you have a dilemma central or a dilemma controversy topic? Great idea. Let's put it in the motion. So today we introduced that to the Chase and Birdies listeners. The Golfer's Dilemma, it airs towards the end of this episode with JP Aaron Sebia. And I tell you what, it's a great one. We should have discussed it a little bit more. I was surprised I by his answer. Were you surprised by his answer? Very surprised by his answer. I think a lot of people would go the other way. I think if we do a little pool on Instagram, you'd have people go the other way. But, hey, um, to each his own. Uh, that's his opinion. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to argue with the guy. Sounds like he could throw me over a fence. But, um, so, yeah, I don't agree with him. But, yeah, again, to agree to disagree, yeah. I guess. I guess. Like Anthony Kim situation, but. I, <laughs> I'm not even, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not even talking about it anymore. Um, you can watch the CW and I'll go watch <laughs> ESPN. Well, it's not even ESPN. It's CW. I'm watching the British Open on ESPN. Okay. All right. Yeah, me too, bud. Okay. All right. All right. Let's take this over here to this week's episode. JP, Aaron, Sebia, Pep and I are going to have a little talk off the air here. Yeah, bud. And, uh. Here we go, season four. Let's go. We're back this week on Chase and Birdies. And lucky for me, I have two JPs on this podcast today. And I'm not talking about Jonathan Pepe. I'm talking about JP Aaron Sebia, the former MLB catcher here on Chase and Birdies. My man, what is up? Not much. Just here in Port St. Lucie, beautiful Port St. Lucie for um, spring training. We, There's some uh, good golf there, too. Yeah, no, I've, I, uh, there's a new place called Astor Creek that just opened up that I've been going to PGAs here. They have three courses. So we, we try to, we try to mix it up. And you're now working for the New York Mets. I am. I'm the bench coach in AAA. So I'm in Syracuse during the season. Um, 
Actually, you know what? I used to think Wolf, but uh, <laughs> last year was my first year there, and it was actually it was good. And there was a there's a great track there um, that I play. I mean, probably four times a week, and so it's it's gotten. I mean, it's it's not a bad. I live like 20 minutes north of the city in a little area called Baldwinsville. It's it's nice, small town, apple yeah. orchards, blueberry farms. It's kind of dope. They have what? What's the long peppers up there? What are they called? Shoot, long peppers. I don't they, know. They had. I went to this restaurant, Syracuse, probably last year, and they're. It's like they're they're famous for these peppers that are real long and thin. They're kind of spicy, um, but they're banging, man. They were so good. I have to look it up. What what they're called? Now I'm gonna have to. Now I'm gonna have to check it out. Something new for me in Syracuse. <sighs> yeah, that's one. You know what? Syracuse is one place I've never been. Never. I mean, it's not a bad city, actually. I, I When I played there at the end of my career, I wasn't too fond of it. But when you kind of get on the outskirts of it, I mean, upstate New York is beautiful. Um, Lake Skinny Atlas is, is right around the corner. Turning Stone um, oh, yeah. is, a nice, is yeah. a nice track. So I go out there and play Turning Stone. So there's some, there's some cool little hidden gems. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just... For us golfers, that's all we're looking for. Anytime we're on the road or in a new area, Stitch. man, we're like, Where, where's the course? What's the good track around here? You know? Forget about the yeah. the orange. Forget about the Syracuse orange. We want the golf. Where is it? Yeah, that's honestly, that's, you know, a lot of the, the things that I've been doing uh, since I've gotten the coach, I try to like, golf is my out. Golf is like my mental out. So I just, I like to go light up some cigars, get out on the course and, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, I get out at probably 6.50, whatever has the first tee time, right? I try to get out, get my round done pretty quick, and then, you know, start the rest of my day, do the rest of the things, and then I get to the field probably like at noon. But I try to, I try every city I go to, I bring my clubs, and I try to, I try to tee it up at least a couple times. So we have literally nothing in common about getting to the field or anything, but the cigars that you just said, that's our, that's our commonality here now. So... What are you smoking? Well, right here is a little tatuaje. Um, so this is a, a tatuaje, Kohonu 2006. Um, let's see. Let's go into the little treasure box here. I, I have some I have some stuff. Uh, I, I am very uh, partial to tatuaje and Fuente. I got a nice uh, opus here. Oh, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a nice one. Um, Did you get the have, rare pink from opus yet? Uh, yes, I do. I, I don't have them here. It's so good. Um, but yeah, they're, I mean, honestly, so I, my uncle owns a cigar store in Miami. Um, so I wore Havana and I'm Cuban. Uh, so I grew up around, around the cigars and, you know, as I've gotten older and not played and all that stuff, you know, I, I, I really enjoy, you know, that's, that's like kind of my, my little vice, right? Like I, I like to have a stick. Sometimes I get to the field early and I'll sit in the stands and just have a cigar. So I, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of chatting about it. I think cigars are such a beautiful thing. One, I mean, everybody, when you, when guys, you go to a cigar lounge or anything, it's like everybody's on the same playing field. It's kind of, it's kind of yeah. crazy. It could be a CEO of a company or right. just a, you know, a guy that's, that's retired or somebody that just likes cigars and, and, you know, you know, $6 stick, $50 stick, whatever it may be, no one cares. It's just like, Hey, we, you know, we enjoy the cigar and, and we sit there and chop it up. That's that's the thing for me. I go to a cigar shop. It's three minutes away from my house, and literally everybody's in sweatpants. 
sitting around in these old 1960 barber chairs they have and and you just sit there and smoke and no matter who, yeah. what people have or who they are we're all just chatting it up and having a glass of red wine with a cigar it's awesome i might take it over the top a little bit when we're playing golf i mean we set over unders on me for a weekend i mean jp it's a little ridiculous. this cat that you're talking to i've never seen anyone well i've never been around you smoking a cigar but this cat just like it's like zins for me you know you throw a couple <laughs> in throughout the day no big deal but my man, he literally sets over unders at fifteen and a half for a three day golf trip, and he I, hits he hits them. I like it though. That's the th- like I love it, dude. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, around the golf, it's kind of funny because like they, I always mess around on like if there's the dude on the course uh, that has a cigar while he's taking a shot, that's probably me. Like I'm I'm, I mean I'm like this. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm on I'm on the tee box and I'm I letting it. it rip. I mean, you know, every once in a while, I'll I'll smoke three around. Um, but they're like it's funny because I always tell the starter. You know, how the starters will say like, oh, "Okay, you know, this tee position or whatever it may yeah. be today." And I'm like, "Listen, dude, let's be honest. I'm already under par. I'm about to light this bad boy up." <laughs> and like, at the end of the day, whatever my score is, which is usually not great. I mean, I'm going to be under par because I'm outside. I'm enjoying, like, I, I'm kind of a nerd for well, like, cut, like, the, the manicured grass. Like, yeah. I will pay money to go. I'm a little bougie with that, but I'll pay money to go to a nice track because I like it to be, you know, manicured. I like it to be, mm-hmm. you know, to look pristine and then drive around in the cart. And I, and I, and there's a lot of times where I'll hit a shot and I'll tell, you know, my, cartmate be like hey you drive i'm just gonna grab my my 60 degree and i'm gonna walk up and i smoke and i just enjoy it yeah there there's nothing no, like it good. i mean there when you have a good golf course and a good cigar i mean what else in this world do you need now my my downfall is i come home my wife she makes me get naked not for reasons i wish but it's i gotta take my clothes off in the garage because it smells like cigar <laughs> and all this jazz right so i walk in the house with my underwear on my kids are looking at me like i'm an idiot and it's just because i smell like a cigar uh, yeah, that's my deal with my wife is as soon as I walk in, um, the clothes go in the hamper. I go into the shower and she hates the smell of cigars. It's, it's so funny. She's just, it's terrible. she's the same thing. She's like, it's terrible. It's so bad. And I'm like, I know, I, I know that you don't like it, but I mean, like I laugh because even because so the place I go to in Nashville, I live in Nashville in the off season and the place I go to, it's like, you know, a bunch of old dudes and they're great. And, uh, I'm like, listen, at the end of the day, like, some wives have to worry about husbands going to bars. Some wives have to worry about. I'm like, listen, I'm sitting here with a cigar with a bunch of old men. So you have nothing to worry about. Like yeah, I'm just, I'm, and she's like, what are you guys talk about? I'm like, honestly, if I told you the stupid stuff we talked about, you would think that we're idiots. But I mean, it's, it's just like my Zen. Yeah. I got, I got, so where do you go in Nashville? Uh, it's called Bell Mead Premium Cigars. Okay, so you're out in Bell Mead. So when I, I traveled to Nashville a good bit and I stayed downtown, I go to the Monte Cristo, the lounge there. I love that's yeah. beautiful. But yeah, it is um, nice lounge. I heard a funny story. You'll appreciate this being from Nashville. Uh, blend over, yeah. which does hasn't been Dav- doing. It for, used to be they they closed down, but it used to be the Davidoff. Davidoff, yes. Yeah. So when it was Davidoff, there's a guy that always came in. They said once a week on Tuesdays he'd come in drink Budweisers and smoke a cigar and leave and whatever. So the general manager comes over and starts talking to this guy and he's drinking a Budweiser, smoking a cigar. And the guy goes, man, this music is so bad. Like I cannot take this anymore. I'm going to change it. And he said, well, 
why don't you like it? He said, it's just a terrible song. And he said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, well, I sing this song. And <laughs> and he said, Luke Bryan, man, nice to meet you. And he's like, oh, oh man, I love this song. <laughs> but they said that he was just as good as could be. And again, nobody bothered him. He's just smoking a cigar and having a Budweiser. Yeah, Stapleton Stapleton comes into Belmead to pick up cigar cigars. Dan Taminsky, which I don't know if you know the name, but he he's the the Hay brother, you know, with Avicii. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, he's the Hay brother guy. Um, he's like one of the most wor- world renowned like like bluegrass pickers and all that stuff. Like, but what that's what I love about cigar shops because you don't know. you go to there. There's there's you, like literally the place that I go to. There's guys that are. One guy owns a boat company that's that he started Triton Boats, and then he he owns another boat called like a company called Camus. There's one guy who's the CEO of HCA, which is an insane um, hospital thing. And then I mean, there's people that high net worth people, but no one cares. Like we just we just like we laughed because there was this there's one guy that came in there and was talking about all this stuff that he had and all these things, and we're and we're like. No one cares. Like, really, no one cares. Like, at the end of the day, we just sit there. Everybody's free game. They talk crap to everybody. Um, so that's that's the fun part about cigars. I've never really been to a place that there's, like, a true, like, right. a douche. Like, yeah. a, like, a guy that you're like, dude, just shut up. It. Yeah. But as you know, being in a Major League Baseball locker room, I mean, there's always somebody with more, right? That's not what it's about. It's just about being a good dude. And, uh, that's all you got to do when you go to a cigar shop or on a golf course. So you came from Cuba and did my parents, you, my parents came, your from parents Cuba. are from Cuba. Where'd you grow up? Miami, Florida. So I, my sister was the first one in my entire family born in the States. And then I was the second, uh, of our entire family. So I, I was born and raised in Miami, um, lived there, you know, I finished high school and then I went to university of Tennessee. So I got drafted at a high school, didn't sign by the Seattle Mariners and then went to Tennessee and, and really enjoyed it. I kind of call, I kind of fancy myself a, a Cuban cowboy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I love there you that. Go. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially in your position, having the relationships in Cuba, which you had, it probably makes cigar smoking like literally part of your livelihood. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah, you know, I grew up with my my grand uncle. He was a big cigar. He lived behind me. He used to smoke cigars. Um, like I said, my uncle, um, he, I call him my uncle. He's a, he's like an uncle. Uh, he owns Savoir Havana in, in Doral. And I grew up, I mean, I've been hunting since I was a kid. And so my uncles would always be out there smoking cigars. Uh, my first cigar ever was when I signed professionally. And my uncle gave me a Forbidden X. And... I smoked it and I stood up and then I sat back down for the next 30 minutes wanting to throw up. Uh, and I, and it scared me from cigars for many years. And then, you know, as again, as I've gotten older, I've just been able to just enjoy, like, I just, I just love a stogie, man. It's, it's something that I, I do some of my best thinking. I come up with some good ideas, What you know, I, it's just, it's just a relaxing thing for me. And that's, that's, it's so funny because I don't think you guys have time and you correct me if I'm wrong during the, during the season, you don't have time to smoke a cigar because you got games every day. You kind of got to be in shape and be conditioned and that's not helping it. But Neil Walker, as I asked you before, he's a good friend of ours and, and dude, he's the same way right now. He loves a cigar. I mean, just go play golf, smoke cigars. And it's like, he's a play by play for the pirates now. 
and I had to drop something off to him at the stadium at PNC Park, and I gave him a cigar. He said, this is perfect. He said, we smoke cigars two hours before we have to call the game. So they're all there smoking cigars beforehand, uh, all the play-by-play guys, and then they call the game and they go home. Well, you know what's funny is I would have I would have agreed with you, but then I saw. Did you ever see the Last Dance with Jordan? Yeah, and that's so cool. This dude was this dude was ripping lanceros before games and dominating people. So I'm like, I mean, could I have smoked cigars and been there? I mean, that dude was a freak. So I've seen actually. I saw Alex Castellanos who with the with the Phillies. He likes a cigar. Um, I think it's Alex Castellanos. What? Wait, maybe not Alex Castellanos, uh, but. The Castellano sets the outfield there for for the Phillies, um, and he was sitting there and because I used to do play, I used to do the color. I used to do the same thing that Neil's doing for the Marlins. Okay, and he was he was sitting there before you know anything opened up, just sitting in the stand smoking a stogie. And I I said, "Do your cigar?" Said, yeah, I brought him a stick. The next day, he was like, oh, it's, "This is a good stick." I'm like, "Yeah," but I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's more guys that enjoy sticks, you know, during the season than probably anybody would ever talk about but mm-hmm. i mean i don't know I, I like to say that you don't inhale it right so you feel a little bit better about right. about what you're doing right i mean it's yeah so. yeah the nicotine i i remember the first time i put a chew in i was like in eighth grade and my cousin had a can of snuff and i put that son of a bitch in my mouth dude and i thought i was cool you know and i had a little can of mountain dew and within three minutes i was yakking I mean, I was sick as a dog. Uh, and, you know, so my dad smoked cigars and I've been around cigars my whole life and I just never really got into it, like, in a way. I smoke, I'll smoke a cigar. I mean, we play around a golf, I'll smoke one maybe every... Yeah. Yeah, one. That's not fun. But, um, I not, listen, I'm used to it, dude. Like, I don't... You, I don't, you I, take vitamins while we play golf, so it's yeah, all good. Right, I'm not... I'm not talking down to you because you like to smoke 15 cigars in four days i mean i worry about your health though bud i gotta be honest i worry about your health but outside of that do you bud it's all good the biggest question the biggest question is and i know that i'm like this but i this is how i know if you're a real cigar guy if you're over a putt and the smoke is going into your eyes do you just do you just do you just putt or do you or no i I gotta step away because i can't breathe oh Oh no! You see, I see. I'm like, there's times where I'm like, it's in my eyes, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm still banging this thing. Boom! And I, and that's just that's, so how I, that's, hit, that's where I'm at. Can you swing with it in? Oh yeah, I, I'm I, I'm legit. Like it, what actually, and it's kind of funny. It depends on on do it. what I'm doing. I put it down sometimes in the tee box. But my buddy the other day, he's like, this. He's like, I don't understand it, but every time you off the tee box, your cigars in your mouth. But then when you hit your irons, it's not in your mouth. And I'm like, I didn't even notice that I was doing that. <laughs> uh, Joe Neaporti, guy that used to work at a resort around here, gave me lessons for a couple years. His dad was the head pro at Wingfoot, Tom Neaporti, back in the back in the day. But um, he quit smoking cigarettes, so he started getting on cigars. And by the end of it, he could not take the cigar out of his mouth. So he hit every shot with the cigar in his mouth. Like you just said, the putts, he's standing over the putts hitting cigars. And I'm like, how in the hell do you even like focus? I don't know. It's a trait. I don't know if it, honestly, I think that I, I, when I play golf and I have always said this, you know, I played a game that 
dude, it took so much out of my brain as far as the pressures and, and like trying to grind and, and anxiety and yeah. all this other stuff that you deal with that when I, I played golf and I always said like, listen, if, the, if golf starts to become something that it's like too much for me in the sense of like, I'm pissed off or I'm mm-hmm. I like, I'm letting it ruin my day. Then I don't, then I'm not going to be playing. So that's why for me, I think, um, you know, even if we're, we're betting and, you know, putting a little money on and stuff like that, I might, you know, be a little bit more focused, but dude, I just, I just, honestly, I, I play with guys and I, I mean, there's some scratch golfers, but played with a pitcher the other day. He shot a 71. Pitchers um, are so good. I mean, Dude, nasty. Like he had five birdies and and three bogeys on the back. Like he could have even been better. And you know those guys are good. I've I've played with with one of our coaches who's a, he's a two handicap and he throws his clubs and I tell him like, hey, I'm gonna punch you in your freaking chin because I don't come for this stress. So if you're <laughs> me throwing shit, like don't like, be playing. With yeah, me. like let's calm down. This shot means nothing. We're out here yeah. having fun. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like. Whenever we're playing golf, honestly, we're there. We are there, A, to have fun, and B, to break away from real life. So, yeah, you can get upset, I guess, at times for making dumb mistakes. But like you said, man, I I don't want to be in any stressful situation when I'm playing golf, especially if I'm playing with somebody I don't know. Right. Um, but that's that's not fun. Well, you know, it's and, and truth. the truth be told is, man, I didn't even know golf existed when I was a kid, right? We didn't have any money. Um, I didn't really get to understand the game of golf until, you know, I signed and was able to now, you know, get some stuff. But other than going to the range every once in a while, if I ever was around one and and hitting some balls when I was a kid, just for fun, like I didn't have the opportunity to, to go to these golf courses or play these golf courses or even grow up in it. So, um, I think that really, you know, now it's, it's one of those things that I sit there and I'm like, dude, I didn't even know this existed when I was a kid. So I get to have the opportunity to go out and enjoy these things. Um, thankfully, and I try to enjoy them. Like I yep. really love it. Where are you playing in Nashville? Uh, so I played at the golf club of Tennessee, yeah. which is a really nice track. Um, I've played at Hermitage. Uh-huh. I've played at the Gaylord, um, recently, uh, I have a buddy that is told me that next next year, whenever I want, I can play at Old Hickory, which is supposed to be a nice track. That's a good one. So you, you played Troubadour? I, no, I haven't played Troubadour. I've had. I know that I have the options, you know, the, yeah. the opportunities. The problem too is like it's in the middle. You know, I'm gone. Well, and I'm no. It's it's also too it's tough because I'm gone. You know, eight months out of the year. So I, you know, when I get back home, you know, it's it's. My my focus obviously is my wife because my wife doesn't travel with me. She's she does her own thing on uh, with her job, and so when I get back, it's like it's like tough to go like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and, and play golf or whatever. So right. I try to sneak away when I can, and then the then the the only thing I will say is when it's cold outside, I don't care to golf. Yeah, like if it's cold, I'm I'm not I'm not playing. Golf. What's your it's temperature? Be nice. <sighs> in, in the fifties. I'm fifty. Yeah, yeah, fifty. And there's gotta be sun. Like if there's no sun and it's fifty, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, and I'm also not a big uh, cart path only guy. When it's cart path only, like uh, I'm, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, like, I don't know. I, there's part of me that really enjoys walking. Uh, I mean, I, especially if you have a caddy, but I don't mind carrying my bag at times. But, um, 
But whenever but you do have car path care. only, when you get out there and they're like car path only, it does. It's kind of like a drainer. You're like, what the hell? But yet at the same time, I'm fine with walking. So I don't know. I think car I, I'm, I, I was going to say that I think car path only, you're better off walking at that point. I, I agree. I've, I love to walk, actually. I really do enjoy the walk. There's a lot of guys that don't like it. I love to walk. I've played some nice tracks. I played in San Fran that was, you can only walk. Yeah. Um, and it was nice. You know, you have a caddy. Um, I've, I played one time. I didn't, I, I was, when I was doing TV, we were playing the Dodgers and, um, the USC golf coach, it was friends with the Tennessee golf coach, which I know. Um, and he set it up. So we went out there and he's like, Hey, you mind playing with a couple of the players? And I was like, no problem. So me and one of the guys in the TV, uh, went out and played. It was them two and us two. And they're like, hey, we're going to walk and carry our bags because obviously in college, that's what you got to do. And so, dude, I played these nine holes carrying this bag and walking around. And, and they're like, all right, dude, we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to peel off. And I, I called down. I was like, I need a cart now. Like, I need a cart. Like, please, cart. Because that was, that was a grind. So when you're push cart, great. Caddy, obviously, is dope. But when you have to carry your bag and walk around, that was a little bit of a, of a grind. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what all you know. All these USGA events, man. You gotta, you can have a caddy, but otherwise, you gotta, you gotta carry the um, USGA Mid Am qualifier at a course locally here in Farmington, Nemecolon Resort, which is five star, phenomenal. But Mystic Rock from one hole, from the green to the next tee box, is like, it's like a quarter mile actually. Maybe not quite that far, but close to it. Like every hole. And I played in that qualifier a couple years ago, and it's like, you walk, it takes you longer to walk between holes than it does to finish a hole, I feel like, sometimes. Mm. It's nuts. Yeah, this but. this place in California we played, um, it was in Palos Verdes, I think, a ni- real nice track. Because I guess when you go to USC, they have, like, a couple of memberships at Riviera. They have, like, reciprocating for yeah. the colleges. And so we played this nice track. I forgot the name of it, but it was, like, hilly. Yeah. So you start grinding uphill with some you walk in with this bag and of course I'm not expecting to walk. So I got all my crap in my bag, right? I have and you get your gear, you, you get everything. Yeah, yeah, everything that you don't need to be carrying and I have it on there so I just I just went with it and uh it's a, it's a little bit of a grind, but regardless, man, I I god, golf is the best. It's such a humbling sport because the ball doesn't move. I used to hit baseballs that moved at 95, and now it's called white ball doesn't move, and I still can't square it up all the time, but it's <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it's the best. I think how so. About, how about Otani, man? Is, uh, how crazy is this guy? I mean, he's a, he's a one-off. I mean, I think that's when, when people talk about, like, Babe Ruth, right? You know, he, did, he was a two-way guy. Well, now you have a two-way guy at this day and age that's – like superior pitcher, superior hitter. And I don't know if we'll ever see another guy like him during my lifetime. I mean, we may, we may because maybe he's opening some doors for some guys that will eventually um, do that. But I just don't, I don't see, I think that's why when people see the money that he got, like, like, oh, this is going to be crazy. I'm like, well, is there anybody that's going to demand the market he has to demand the, the, all the things that he can do. I mean, dude, he signs with a team. They they right away, they have all the TV rights in Japan. They have all these different sponsorships, marketing, all the different things. And to, to defer that money, he can do it because he makes so much money off the field. And not many people, 
make anywhere near that. So, I mean, the dude's, the dude's a freak, um, where he hits baseballs. I, I, you know, you, you see, cause obviously I played in a lot of those stadiums and when you see where some of the balls that he hits lands, you're like, <laughs> oh. that's like yeah. crazy. So you being a catcher, him being a pitcher, are you guys kind of, how, how does that work in, in the major leagues? Like, are you getting the call? as a from from another guy as to what to give him the sign wise or are you just basing it off of the batter no the, the so the catchers in the big leagues call the entire game okay so i mean and there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it right i mean you're you're understanding the entire lineup so i you know as a catcher i'd get there early i'm i'm looking at the lineup i'm looking at you know what they've done the last couple of weeks and everybody prepares differently and then you understand your pitcher. There's a ton of meetings that go on prior, right? So you kind of understand, you know, hey, this is the lineup. This is how we're attacking first batter, second batter, third batter. Like, so you're kind of on this, you're on the same page. Um, but what's crazy and the fun part about catching and the fun part about pitching and just the competition is like, we can come up with that entire plan, but he can go to the bullpen and he can have none of like two out of the five tools working, right? Like two, two out of the five right. pitches working. And then he gets on the mound and you're like, okay, now he's got three. Um, so I have to work with those three uh, and try to figure out how I can get the other stuff going so that I can get it into the game. So, you, you know, you make plan A, you make plan B, you make plan C, but you're, you're always constantly trying to change, you know, it's a cat. Yeah. Cat and mouse game. I mean, cause the other teams also the same understands, thing. has the information and they're like, all right, this pitcher throws this, 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 and this. And so they come out and, you may say like, Hey, today we're going to attack early with fastballs and the first batter of the game, he jumps ship on the first pitch. And then the second batter, you know, gets another first pitch heater, boom. And he hits. And I, as a catcher, I got to go, Hey, we got to go, we got to flip the script. Like now I'm, now I'm going to start throwing, you know, breaking balls early or changeups early. Cause we have to deviate from the plan that we created because these guys are, are on, you know, a, a different wavelength today. So we have to, we have to switch it up. Are they, so, so back to Atani is, with him being as good as he is, does the catcher ever just let him, hey, whatever you feel comfortable with, go with? Like if he gets in a kind of a heater. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. So some guys now with Pitchcom, Pitchcom has really opened up a lot of stuff because there's some pitchers that wear the actual, um, there's like buttons. So there's some there's some pitchers that actually wear the buttons. And so oh, wow. they'll call they'll they'll call their pitch before they pitch it before they throw it. So before you know old school is like you know yeah. you're putting numbers down yada yada yada. Now you know there's some pitchers that want like Max Scherzer he had it on his glove, so he would like press the pitch and then the catcher would press the pitch so that they were both on the same page on the same page. But so some pitchers yeah they like to call their own game. Some pitchers like Mark Burley when I when I caught him. In Toronto, like he never shook. Whatever I put down, he was going right. He didn't want to think about it. He didn't want to do it. So, honestly, everybody is different. is different. But but you just have those relationships that you kind of know. You know, hey, if it's a one zero count and I need to get a strike, but I don't want to throw a fastball, this pitcher uses this pitch. Like that's part of my job is being able to understand the in and outs of of the pitcher because every pitcher is different. And I need to know all the information. And at the end of the day, when it's when it's all said and done, it's kind of nut cutting time. I'm going to go strength on strength. Like I'm not going to. I'm going to. I always tell this to the pitchers. It's like 
if I was a boxer and I had my right hand was like my right straight was like my knockout punch. But the boxer that I was facing, like he's really susceptible to left hooks. Like, and I go in there and I just try to throw left hook after left hook and he knocks my ass out. I'm like, well, I didn't go down on my best punch. And so at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you're not going to get beat on your third or fourth best pitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Little strategy there. It's like a quarterback uh, receiver when, type thing. Yeah. When you were in Toronto, was Batista there? Did you play with him? Yeah. Yeah, I played with him all four years. I mean, he was back in that time, man. I, I remember watching him. He was a powerhouse. Home run. You know what? He was he was an absolute animal. But the thing is, is like the work that he did behind the scenes um was like second to none like when we yeah. talk about studying like these guys and i'm sure in anything right like the best of the best are obsessed with their craft and th these guys when when the game started he knew exactly what the pitcher was going to try to want to do to him he's watched enough video he's come up with a plan he's formulated everything and he just knew himself and and he was on a different level but everybody saw the home runs and all the things he did on the field but no one really got to see which i i was privy to is like this dude was, uh, you know, a very cerebral player. Like yeah. he, he was always studying, always, always understanding himself and the guys. And, and, uh, that's what made him special along the go with talent, but like the best ones, like even here, like Francisco Lindor, the dude is, the dude is, is spectacular. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's, he's the first guy in the weight room. Like the guy is, he, he works with, the nutritionist to the hitting coach to the to the analyst to everybody that he possibly can this dude is getting maximizing everything and you see why these guys are so good because they're literally like obsessed, obsessed. with their craft you um with respect to baseball today i do find it at, from my perspective more enjoyable to watch with that clock yeah. i mean <sighs> I don't know if you agree with me because you were on the other side of this, but I, I do. I kind of like it. What are your thoughts? I love it. I think it's great. I think it's sped up the game. I think it's made it uh, a lot more uh, feasible to watch. Yeah, like, I think, totally. I, I, I think it, it's, it's like I was doing TV, and I remember there was a game, the Dodgers versus the Marlins, and it was only a two-to-one game. And like game like that usually is under three hours, right, like a low-scoring game. It was like four hours long. It was watching like paint dry. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, last year it was 245, 250, you know, like under three. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, damn, this is nice. Like, this is a lot better. So I think that they did a great job with what they've done. Um, and they, they even moved it down two more seconds this year. So last year it was 15 seconds, nobody on, 20 seconds runner runners on. Now it's 15 and 18. So They've shaved off two more seconds. And then I think the next thing that's going to be coming through, which in AAA, we kind of, we're uh, a little bit of the test, the test babies is the challenge system. Mm. So the challenge system is each team gets three challenges uh, for the game. You know, if it's a striker, a ball, only the pitcher, catcher, or hitter can challenge it. And if you lose it, if you lose a challenge, it's gone. If you win it, you keep it. And then, it's that, i think that's what event do you think that's going to slow it down a little bit no because we did it last year and it's so like literally because it's instantaneous uh, right so i take a if i'm hitting i take a pitch he calls it a, a strike i think it's a ball i touch my helmet he looks to the to the scoreboard or to the to the broadcast okay. booth or whatever 
it's challenge. And then on the big screen, just like in tennis, you know, on tennis yeah. where it shows like how it hits it, it, it shows the same thing. So it shows the visual, the ball coming in, boom, it's a ball, calls overturned, boom. And it's, so if you get them it, all right, keeps, you could just keep going. Yeah, but you know what? You what you realized is that one umpires miss less than people think. Um, you realize that hitters are good at understanding the zone, but they still think that there's strikes that are not strikes. Mm-hmm. And catchers know the zone the best, obviously, because I think they're the ones that. I mean, I, as a catcher, you 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 know very well. And pitchers are the worst. Every time a pitcher challenged, I laughed because I was like, "This is not good. They suck." They're not good at it. They think everything is a damn strike. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it, it creates entertainment. It creates the, you know, both sides, the accountability. And like, what was cool was once the fans started understanding the challenge system, like, dude, there'd be in the seventh inning bases loaded, two outs, three, two count. And the, and the umpire would ring him up and the guy would challenge it and it would get overturned and the crowd would be like, oh, so, it, so the entertainment value oh, yeah. as well really was cool so i i think that that's something that eventually will come into major league baseball and and people will love it because it's it's fun that's awesome that's cool um outside of the big leagues now you i mean i saw on your instagram you you have some type of fitness uh is it a business that you own or but you still staying in shape is what i'm trying to get at yeah so i i it, i became an owner of a gym um, it's like a hit training facility that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, and I, I love fitness. I mean, I, I Me too. am very open. I, you know, I struggled with mental health, um, and fitness was a big, was a big part of being able to get me back on my feet. And, you know, that was something that, you know, I think when, when people that compete at a high level or anybody in general, but for myself, just speaking for myself is like when sports gets done there's no more competition. Right. right? And I got into, I got into jujitsu for a little bit and that was fun. But then I started getting hurt and I was like, man, I ain't trying to get hurt now that I'm done playing. Right. Like I already, Mm -hmm. and so I, you know, I started getting into CrossFit and then it was fun for me because it was like, all right, you know, how many rounds, what's the most round somebody got today? And I was like, all right, I'm going to bury that person. And then that's, that was like, my competition was like trying to just go in there and people were like, dude, you're nuts. And I'm like, it's just they didn't realize that it was more of a internal battle of like you're gonna die and i'm like nah i got more in my tank and and you know again with the mental health stuff i think that you know a lot of times our brains kind of give us the wrong messages and it's like it's like kind of you know joe rogan calls it the inner bitch it's kind of just battling it out and, I, and so fitness became something for me that's that's it's it's more of a mental yeah. uh conditioning than anything and that's the thing that I think so many people that watch sports think of these athletes in the sense of like, oh, their lives are perfect, right? They're making tons of money and they're playing their dream. They don't realize that there are, you guys are human beings and things happen, right? In your life, uh, the mental health awareness and all that jazz. But there are serious things that happen in these athletes and celebrities' lives that people don't realize that these actually happen they think that you just it's all you know flowers and and tons of money listen i i've been around some of the guys that make the most money i've been everybody has something they struggle with right and mm-hmm. and, and whether it you know whether they want to talk about it or not we all you know i had anxiety i mean that's kind of the reason why i ended up stopped playing is because i was so scared to fail that it was like debilitating and um 
you know, you, you start to realize, and then when, and then the, during the pandemic, it really like yeah, got me help. because, because you're sitting in a place by yourself. I was, you know, single at this time and you, you know, all these thoughts start coming in your head. You're like, what the hell is this coming from? So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of guys that struggle or, and people that struggle with stuff. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we realize like, you know, that that's not a crazy thought. Um, that it's just, you know, sometimes we have these thoughts, it doesn't mean anything, right? Like it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't, but I used to get a thought and be like, what does that mean? Like, why am I thinking that way? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there's a lot of people that struggle. Mm -hmm. Everybody, every, I think that honestly, the truth is, is probably athletes are really good at hiding it because their whole life they've been told like, suck it up, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, suck it up, suck it up. But what I, what I always say to when I'm, when I'm talking and I, I do some things when I talk about mental health is like, I go to the baseball stadium and I can leave, right? Like I go there, I'm out. Like if I have my struggles there, whatever, I can leave. But like your brain, if if you think about it as a stadium, you're never leaving it. Mm -hmm. And so that thing is there 24-7. And, and when you're struggling, as much as you want to not struggle, which which eventually makes it even worse because you're fighting it, um, it, it doesn't go away. And that's why I think that, you know, I, there. I, I take Zoloft. I'm like very open about things that I've taken and, and it's helped me, but yeah, man, that's, that's the, the truth of the matter is everybody struggles. It's just how much we want to be able to open up. And when yeah. you do open up, you're like, all right, shit, I, I have the same struggles and it helps you because right. it feels like you're not alone in it. Well, and that's, and that's kind of, you know, totally. again, back to our cigar talk, right? You're sitting in a circle with these guys. They don't know. Right. You're just smoking a cigar, expressing how you feel, because they're not going to judge you, and that's why it's so comforting to be able to do something like that with people that you don't know, right? So yeah, that's why, and that's why I really so I did TV for a few years, and it was good, did well. I actually won an Emmy award, which was cool. That's awesome. Um, but I I wanted to get I wanted to manage um, and to get into it because I've always felt like I have a a gift to be able to connect with people and. Um, you know, have these conversations and talk to guys because I think that's the most important thing is like when we're going good, I don't need anybody to talk to me. But like if when I'm struggling, like, you know, hey, dude, you like pump people's tires, like you're good, dude. Like as much as 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 much as you can to to just keep that that conversation open and and have those conversations and allow them to understand like I've been there too. I've had these thoughts. We've all, you know, whether it be in sports or whatever it may be that can then free them up, you know, and, and allow them to enjoy because the, the best thing on the planet, if I had a superhero would be to be present. Like, how can I be present? Cause we're constantly thinking about the past and the future, yeah. but when you're present, you're like legit, like, it's like, you're like, damn, dude, I, I, I enjoy everything cause I'm here. But when I'm thinking about other stuff, it's not. And so that's what I try to get across. And something that's you so just true, said there man. is be present. And that's one of the hardest things to do. And, and, you know, I saw, I think you shared your wife's post about she went to dinner. She's obviously living in Nashville uh, alone with, while you're on the road, but she went to dinner and she looked at people, the husband, the wife, they're all on their cell phones, not communicating with one another. And that's like the new world now. Right. And it's, it, and I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm as guilty of it as, cause you feel like, Oh man, if I miss this text, the deal, you know, that, that customer might be upset or this, that, the other, and other, in reality, it's like, you got to set those expectations, right? Put the phone down, focus on one another and enjoy dinner and catch up on your day or whatever. And, and again, I'm as guilty as anyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we all are, really. At the end of the day, like, listen, I think the one thing that I've learned is is to give yourself grace, right? Like, to understand, like, all right, we all have the struggles. Cool. Like, I'm not going to be perfect. Good. But how can I, like, realize, you know, how can I how can I see what my struggles are? How can I face those struggles and be able to, whatever it may be, and it might be not be a struggle, but, like, the, the phone or whatever it may be, to be able to actually be present. I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm sitting there on my phone and I'm like, why am I on my phone? I'm at a, I'm at a freaking game or I'm at this. Like, why am I just sitting here on my phone? I'm not even enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Man, everything you said is like, it just resonates with me so much. Like giving yourself grace, um, you know, being vulnerable, being open in certain ways. And, you know, the biggest thing that we in this world face is technology and it kind of takes away from the Sabbath, right? Like the day of rest. And I was going to a youth basketball game yesterday on, on a Sunday. And I thought to myself, I said, I think it's ridiculous that they play youth sports on a Sunday. Like what I'm trying to incorporate on Sundays now is I'm not being associated with the outside world that isn't real i'm gonna be present i'm gonna be here i'm gonna enjoy the little things that i deserve to enjoy on this day because that's my one day where i get to do that and i just thought about that this past weekend like this world is so the little things that used to matter what you know back in the day everyone go to church on a sunday meet for a family dinner and just hang out with family what really matters and in today's day and age it couldn't be more opposite. I'm sure it's true in some pockets of the world, but in our American Anywhere culture, opposite. it is not that way. It's not. Well, well, and I'll tell you, I'll share you this is like when I was really struggling uh, during the pandemic, I actually stayed with my sister because I was like scared to be by myself. Like legitimately, I, I was like, man, I got guns. I can shoot myself. Like I had all these crazy thoughts and it scared me because I'm like, dude, I'm not a, I'm not a person that that's suicidal. It's not that stuff. But, it just, it, it, it was like, why am I having these thoughts? And I didn't want to be by myself. And there was many a times at night that I'd go to bed and I'd be praying. And this is what kind of helped me a, a ton was I'd be praying like, dude, I, I didn't care if my bank, I, I would, I'd say like, I'd give every penny away in my bank account just to be able to be quote unquote normal, to wake up and not have anxiety, to not have the feeling that I have. Like I would have given it all away just to not have that feeling. And so when I sit there now and I'm like, you know, at whether it be at night or whatever, it's like, dude, thank, thankfully that I can be in a place where I look forward to waking up in the morning or that I look forward to doing things because for a lot, for quite some time, like none of that stuff, I was just in a dark place and none of that stuff really did anything for me. And so it's like, that's one thing that really put in the perspective. And I think, you know, little things happen after that, you know, me and my wife, we get, we move in a house and you know, I'm, I'm open, taking crap out of storage. You're moving all these things. And I'm like, man, I got all this bullshit that I don't even need. Like you realize, you know, we always want, want to have this, or the new thing or that. And I had like six shirts from Lululemon from six, the same colors that I've purchased over time. And I'm like, man, all this bullshit that I, that I was like, that I needed to have that really in reality, like Doesn't matter. meant nothing. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's something to me that, that really stood out, uh, especially going through my struggles is like, that's why ignorance is bliss. That's why they say ignorance is bliss. Um, a lot of times it's just because you're, 
I feel like you're just not worried about all the stupid shit that that really a lot of high level thinkers think about, right? Because some of the most successful people in life are tormented by themselves yeah. because they're constantly trying to to be, which is which is what makes people successful. But it's understanding like, all right, how can I bring it back Bounce. to real? And I think also, and I and that's why I love cigars. That you know something, you know one thing that stands out to me. One, I love you know me and my wife sit there at night, and that's something that we do. You know, in the off season, is we watch, we sit there and we watch you know movies or TV, and we're there with our dogs, and it's like that to me is like heaven right mm-hmm. like i don't i don't need anything else like i have my wife my my dogs i'm there we're chilling it's great um and then if she's out you know in new york working or whatever like i might sit out in the, by the fire pit and smoke a cigar and i'm just like you know looking at the sky like taking it all in because it's like that's that to me is like oh yeah like relaxed the, the world the world nothing's like going on mm-hmm. that's yeah Man, I love that, man. I'll tell you what. That's that's where we connect. You connect with him on cigars. We connect on uh, on synergistic soul searching and uh, idolism, really. Idol. Henry that, David Thoreau I wish, wrote about I wish that. I wish I could be the one thing I want to get into is the cold bats. I've really I've really like there you go, I, bud. I'm 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 so bad at it because I'm a chicken. But it's also one of those things where you have to be present. You got to be in those cold baths. I mean, you're like that, that stuff makes you be present and it's, and it's such a battle and it's something, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a chicken for it because I hate the cold, but you know, those are those little things. And I think that's why people get so much out of it because for those three minutes that you're in the ice bath or whatever it may be, like you're not thinking about anything else yep. except for your breath and like trying to like, fuck, how am I going to survive this yeah. shit? And then, and then true, when you get out, you have that euphoria, I think, and I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but I think it's because you're able to like, for a minute, like all the shit that you have doesn't matter. And you're able to like, get away from it and like, come back to just being present. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent. I mean, that is a mental grind. You got to sit there and, Focus on your breath and get yourself going through it. But yeah, it's good. Um, the I want to ask you something real quick before we pivot. Uh, have you heard of a company called Health Via Modern Nutrition, HVMN? Mm-mm. They make these no. ketone. So it might be something you want to look at because you know how like people take pre-workout before the gym, but it kind of gives you the jitters or gets the tinglys a little bit, blah, blah, blah. They make these ketone IQ shots. They're kind of expensive, but they're little shot bottles of ketones, and they give you natural natural energy boost, mental clarity. There's no crash. There's no sugar in them. They're just I, I, ketones, but um, I've been taking those probably three or four throughout the day. I take one mid-morning and then before I go work out, and I'm telling you what, man, it's something that you might want to look into to add to your, you know, your routine with working out because they are a game changer. Hundred percent. Well, and it's and it keeps you fasted, I would imagine, because if they're ketones, then it, it's not there. There's no calories. Right? Appetite control is one of the yeah, hmm. yeah. Because I, I I'm big on like I used to I love all that stuff. I love intermittent fasting. One of my uh, family members does carnivore, mm-hmm. and he it's like the best he's ever been. 
any of his blood work, any of that stuff, like literally ribeyes every day. And yep. this, and my uncle is like dialed in, skin looks good. So there's, I, I love all the stuff that comes along with it. Um, and, it, you know, I, I've seen people do like 72 hour fast. I've only done 24 hours, but I love, I mean, anything that can help me feel better, <clears throat> especially with yeah. the mental stuff that's that's what i i dig into and then i could talk about this forever so I, I better not but i've been taking sheila j in the morning with my coffee it's like a black resin that's found in the Him himalayans have you heard of that it mm -hmm. looks like tar but this company called symbiotica which is out of san diego that makes all these supplements really natural you probably heard i've of, heard i've heard of that yeah, yeah so they make a shila g resin resin and in the morning, I put the little scoop in, and then I pour my coffee, and it melts into my coffee. And it's a game changer, too. So, I'm JP, long story short, but you and I will smoke cigars, and then you and Ryan can talk about this. Well, Health and well you know what's funny? I, I'll tell you a funny yeah. story is, is uh, when I was with the Texas Rangers, that was uh, 2014. Bulletproof coffee was, like, becoming yeah. a thing, right? Like, butter, MCT oil, like, put it in there. And so one of my teammates was like, yo. This stuff gets, I mean, this dude is shredded, right? And he's like, this is what I take. I'm like, well, I mean, you take it. I got to take it, right? So <laughs> I was playing first base at this time because Prince Fielder was hurt. And so no one told me that you need to like slow into this thing. You're not going the full, you're not going like the full thing of MCT oil and butter and the coffee like you need to. So, dude, I freaking take this bulletproof coffee before the game. And, dude, I'm... I mean, I'm, I'm dialed in, right? Like I'm, I have my energy's up, I'm, but I sit at first base and I felt like dumb and dumber where the laxative hits him. And I was just like, oh, oh. I was like, dude, chills. I'm like, oh my God, please end this inning ASAP because I will have an accident here on this field right now. Like it freaking just crushed me. And I was dying laughing because I was like, man, maybe next time when I try these, these health hacks. I'm not going to try it right before a game because it freaking toasted me. But I did it for a little while, um, and I'd, I'd work out. Like, I'd have the MCT oil, the butter, the, the uh -huh. grass-fed butter, and have black coffee And because I don't like to eat before I work out. So I use I train fasted. I always train fasted. I feel better when I train fasted. And so I would have that, and it was, like, enough for me to, to get after it. Get out, but, yeah, um, yeah there's, there's so many cool things yeah. that I think that, that are out there. For sure, but you know, I figured I'd ask you that. Yeah, we could talk about that for hours, but I know Peps, he's looking at the time here and he's going, Wait a second, we got to get into the dilemma and we got to get into the tapping segment. Um, so the tapping segment is presented by Betnardi Golf. Check them out online at betnardi.com. But we have a little bit of a, a dilemma here, and that is bringing in this new aspect of the show called the dilemma, and it's all pertinent to golf. So, Pep. Dive in, bud. All right. All right. Who wins in a debate? You or your wife, Tommy? Uh, that's easy. My wife. 100%. Yeah. Every, that's the first thing people are like, you're married to Tommy Laren. I'm like, yes. And they're like, you probably never win an argument. I'm like, <laughs> nope. no, but, but really how many men do win an right. argument? Exactly. Favorite catcher of all time. Jo uh, Yogi Berra. Mm, that's a good one. Three clubs for a round of golf. What are you picking? can only take three um, with you all right so i will have my driver i'm gonna have a 
seven iron and a 60 degree and i'll putt with my driver there you, there you go. go that's, that's a good, good. One. that's what i was hoping that no putter if too many people take the putter all right golfer's dilemma and then we got one more question all right you, you well, get why don't you do the question first bud and then the dilemma. Right. what are you chasing birdies there you go all right i like it all right the golfer's dilemma you get invited to play in a member guest all right and you and the member win the whole entire member guest if the member asks for money to go towards the entry fee, do you pay them? Because so you got to figure that you won the whole, you won a ton of money at the end of it. Okay. Okay. All right. You win and, two thousand. And they're bucks. asking. Okay. And the and the guest fee is five hundred bucks. And the guest fee is twelve hundred bucks. And he says, "Give me six hundred of that money that we won back." Do you? Yeah. Right away. You do. Wow. Right away, because I because here's the thing, I wouldn't be there if the, if I didn't get the invite from the guest. And honestly, I mean, I I'm, I don't play. I, if we won, I'm more fired up that we won than 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 the cash that I won along with it. There you go, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. That's okay. I didn't know what you were gonna say I, there, but yeah. No, I I 100. percent I like it. I'm all I mean, in on that stuff, man. I, if I get invited somewhere. I, then I'm then I'm already gracious enough that I'm just like, dude, I just got to play a nice track, a nice little event. And so, I mean, we're probably not going to win, let's be honest. Well, I'll tell you this much. Whenever your season, I don't know, when's your season end? Uh, September 25th around okay. there somewhere. So after September 25th, when you're traveling from New York back to Nashville, Tennessee, you and your wife need to come to Nemecolon, which is a five-star resort. We'll we'll take care of everything there for you. It's awesome, man. It is an incredible spot. It's in the mountains. It's abs- two beautiful golf courses, spa out of this world. So we'll uh, work on some days with you on that. And then, again, dude, we appreciate you coming on. Dude, thanks. And I'm glad that uh, Jim connected us. Cause, yes. Uh, Shout out Red Vanley. Uh, Shout out Red Vanley. I would, I would, I would, I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't say like, dude, Red Vanley, best pants in the game. Honestly, their clothes are great, but like, I, I live in their pants and their shorts. <laughs> Joggers are there's so nothing, good, dude. There's nothing, honestly, and it's not because of you know the relationship like and all that being yeah relationship. It's like I'm very big on good product right so like if if the people are great and the product's great like i will freaking rep it to the to the wheels come off and it is it's fantastic jim has been great uh i've talked to andrew every once in a while yep. on social media uh they've been fantastic so um i'm one i'm happy that they connected us but like no lie it's 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 a it's a game changer it really is because i wear the pants and people are like man where are those and i'm like they're red vanity and they're like and then I show them the whole thing, like you just, and they're like, "What? Well, that it's looks awesome. like a regular pant." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, so good. Me. It's so good. So awesome. Yep, my man, JP. Good luck to you and the Mets organization this year. Thank you again. Hit him straight. Smoke him good. And we're, I can't wait to smoke a cigar with you, man. Yeah, no, I'm fired up to uh, be able. We should we'll tee it up one day. We'll smoke cigars and then we'll hop in a cold tub after. There you go. And, <laughs> I love it, my man. All right. And we'll get the full the full uh, shebang. There we go. Thanks again, JP. My man, JP, not me. JP, the baseball player, huh? What a story, man. I mean, I, I would say that this is probably the deepest 
podcast we ever did. Would you agree or disagree? I mean, we've this is the theme, so do you disagree or agree? Well, I agree. I agree. I yeah. think, you yeah. know, getting into some of that talk about mental health and awareness and being present and giving yourself grace, all that whole jazz. Like, we could have talked about that forever. And I know you two could have. But you two could have talked about cigars forever. And we could have talked about cigars forever. And I love that. So basically, we're going to sit in a little circle. You're going to sp- sprinkle salts all over them, and I'm going to smoke a cigar with them. <laughs> oh, so, shit. That's what we're going to do. I love it, man. No, it was great. So thank you, JP, for coming on, blessing us with another JP in the room for a short period of time. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And uh, again, stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of content coming up from this weekend in Pinehurst. And then our next episode is going to be a banter session because we're going to have a lot from from this weekend that we're going to talk about who missed the cut, who made the cut, the funny shit that happened. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And if you guys want to, go follow IP Caters. Uh, The guy will be filming all of us for everything. So um, tune in for that. And then stay tuned for the four ball at Sunny Hannah. It's going to be a good time. August 4th to 6th, Sunday practice round, 5th, 6th. Uh, four ball, best ball event that apparently we got in, I, or we're we're trying to get in. I don't know what's happening, but we're really sounds excited. like we might be in the mix. But I'm really excited for this and really to see how our game can mesh together in a major event. So um, check it out, Sunny Hannah, four ball amateur. Well, I can tell you how our game would mesh together in a heavyweight battled event it would go down something like this we'd be grooving something would happen you'd get flustered I'd try to calm you down you get back on track five holes to go you're done I join the party I'm done and there we go now we start keep the commitment level up then you and I we're good we're good and that's kind of what Go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's kind of what happened when you and I were warming up for this event at Pinehurst. We were playing target practice in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. on a beautiful simulator. Yeah. At Nemecolon Resort in Farmington, Pennsylvania. If you haven't been to Nemecolon, you have to give them a shot to earn your family vacation or private time with your couple, your loved ones, whoever. Check them out online at nemacolon.com. It's more than just golf. It's pure joy, pure luxury, amazing food, and phenomenal sightseeing in the Appalachian Mountains. Actually, I don't know if it's the Appalachian Mountains. It might be a different mountain range, but it's in it's Farmington, Pennsylvania. But Nemecolon. you were on a heater with that until you, you you at least could have sold it like you knew. Because it was a really good swipe up. Well, because there's a, there's a range that kind of comes into play. Anyways, um, but you get the point. It's great. So the conversation that we had with JP, mm-hmm. the segment, the new segment, what's your take? Uh, I mean, my take is that no. Like, no, because if, if you hadn't won, then the question wouldn't even be coming up, right? Mm-hmm. So winning... Then 
Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Like, the only way it makes sense is if it's like an asterisk in the beginning. Hey, bud, you're my guest. Hey, we're going to split this down the middle. You're my guest. I'm paying for you. In the event we win and we get all the fucking money, you're on the hook for half the fee. Okay, deal. But you you, you, you can't pivot off the eight, right. 18th green and go, hey, bud, I need 600. But I get his point because he's saying, hey, if I wasn't, if he didn't invite me to begin with, I wouldn't be there. But, yeah. But you're the guest. So that was a good one. And you know well, what, but, I mean, we're at the FBO right now doing this recording, so. We could um, ask this question to a lot of people. And people out there listening, what would I want to know. We got this video we posted. Send us, yeah, send us I know. what you would do in a situation or yeah. what you do do in a situation because that, that's why we're asking. We don't yeah. know. Right, right. So. Anyways, bud. Well. My Chick-fil-A sandwich is getting a little cool, bud. Yeah, you better eat that. And uh, I'll see you when we touch down. Yeah. Yeah, we're... Uh, direct flight from Washington, PA to Southern Pines, PA, uh, North Carolina. And uh, good luck to you and your parts this weekend, bud. And good Thanks. luck to all the contestants in the 30th Pine Needles Invitational. See you there. Chasing underscores birdie. Like it, love it, tap it. Yeah, guys. Man, Pep, good luck to you and BK, Tango, and Neely Walker, and IP. Can't wait to see you, bud. Thank you all for listening today to our first episode of Season 4 here on Chasing Birdies. If you're into golf, this weekend is the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches, which used to be the Honda Classic. McElroy's in the field, apparently. We appreciate all the love. Thank you to Evo at Simpler Media for putting this thing together. Jacqueline and Rachel for all your social media help. We'll catch you all in two.